We have a commandment, one of our 613, to honor our elders. So, yes? Are all these laws equivalent to commandments? Commandments, yes. They're all commandments. So use that word interchangeably. Yes. Uh, so today's world sees age as a very negative thing. Most people are afraid to share their age. It's offensive to ask someone, how old are you? Right? For everyone, it's offensive. Not only that, it's a compliment today to tell someone, you look young. Right? That's a compliment. Right? Back in the 1970s, there was a phrase, don't trust anyone over 30. Right? That wasn't as bad as the Romans who had a saying, push 60-year-olds off the bridge. <laughs> 60, 60, that's, yeah. So, Greek... Greek and Roman culture, much like our Western culture today, celebrated the human body, celebrated strength. Um, the Greeks, and the Romans adapted it from them, had their stadiums and their athletics, and they worshipped the human body. They worshipped strength. You were The greatest value was being strong and powerful, being able to perform physical feats. Romans felt the same way. Today, we're very much headed in that direction, or a very big part of our culture worships human bodies, worships a person's physical feats, um, the uh, people's ability to perform certain, whether it's at, in certain sports or certain athletics, people's um, marathon runs. We very much, our culture worships the human body. As you get older, the body gets weaker. You, you, your, your physical pride is about 30. So, therefore, as we get, in other words, you hit your physical, your highest physical strength at about 30, right? That's why all those sports players, right after 30, they're done. So, um, so people, as they get older, are, get weaker. As a result, in a society that worships the body or worships physical strength, age is not respected. Right? You respect the most honorable people are people that, that, that are 30, that are, have the greatest strength. And today, because we have this premium on body, on sports, on pleasure, and on looks, which also sometimes could deteriorate, deteriorate when you are older. Um, and so, um, as a result, um, age has become a liability in our society. Um, and so a lot of people don't want to get older. You can't really stop the clock. There's no way to turn back the clock. But uh, people are constantly doing things to make themselves feel young, to make themselves look young. Right? You can't control your age, but at least you want to, in your own mind, feel that you're younger or think that you're younger or get a sense that you're younger. Everyone values age today. But in Judaism, we see it very differently. In Judaism, we see age as the greatest blessing. Firstly, we find repeatedly the Torah tells us about the great blessing of long life. One of the greatest mitzvahs mentioned this week's reading is honoring your parents. The Torah says you honor your parents, you get long life. Long life is a reward. You follow 
the Torah, you get long life. In the book of Proverbs, in the book of Mishlei, Solomon says, King Solomon wrote the book, says multiple times, following Torah or studying Torah will bring you long life. You may be familiar with the phrase from our prayers, Orech yamim bimina bismola osher v'chavod. Long life on the right side of the Torah, um, wealth and honor on the left side. In other words, you study, you follow the Torah, you get long life, wealth and honor. But the first thing, of course, is long life. Long life is the greatest blessing you could give someone. And the Talmud discuss in great details different mitzvahs that you can do, um, what you can do that will help you live long, um, how, what will help give you long life. And Jews have a custom to wish each other to live until 120. So you always wish someone they should live till 120. So age is a blessing. You want to live a long life. You want to live for a long time. You want to get older. We definitely value age. There were societies where once people hit a certain age, they kicked them out. In some Asian societies, um, once they were a certain age, they would... Throw them out of the house. That essentially I thought the Asians respected the elders. Depends on the communities. The Chinese respected their elders. elders. But there were other Asian communities that they would send them out. Send them to go live in the mountains They were when they were older. Yeah. So uh, there's a, uh, I think there's all fable about Sparta that they would uh, kill everyone at 60. They would kill them all. So they were old, too old. So... We value old age. We all be dead. We, yeah. Yeah, we all be dead. <laughs> but we, we Jews value old age. We really do. We see old age as a blessing. We want to live long. Um, it's the greatest thing. The greatest blessing you can have is living long. And the Torah commands us, as we saw in this week's reading, to respect our elders. And the Talmud says this is not just for scholars um, or saintly people, but any elders. And the Talmud says that uh, even when this doesn't matter if they're Jewish, they're not Jewish, what their experience is, we should respect elders. And we have to reach out and help elders however we can, stand up for them, give them our spot. Not just because they're weaker than us and we have to help people that are weaker, but we have to respect them, the Talmud says, because they have more life experience. While we may get physically weaker with age, and our most, much of our body, um, once we hit our prime at 30, our body starts um, getting weaker in many ways. And, um, however, our brain continues to grow for most of our life. It's a fact, right? While our muscles, bone joints may weaken over time, um, our brain continues to grow and continues. So we continue to get smarter as we get older. Um, for most of our life, sometimes towards the end, people hit dementia. We'll talk about that soon. But generally, our brain gets smarter um, and continues to grow. Um, on top of that, older people, of course, have more experience, more real-life experience. With more real-life experience, you become wiser. The Talmud says that you reach Bina, understanding. The Mishnah says you reach understanding at age 40. You reach advice, the age you could give people advice, at age 50. 
So don't trust anyone under 50. <laughs> right? And then the Mishnah continues, you reach serenity, um, <clears throat> where you take lot, you're calm at 70. So that's why um, <clears throat> in Jewish traditions, and really in many cultures have done the same, we try to appoint older people to leadership positions. Right? Often they celebrate when a young person holds a leadership position. Older people are usually better experienced. Right? You want to follow the elders, our elders. The Talmud says, the Talmud says somebody who, who studies from a young teacher is like drinking young wine. Someone who studies from an older teacher is like drinking old wine. Right? The older wisdom is like wine. The older, you know, the more it ages, the better it gets. Wisdom is the same. The more a person ages, the greater wisdom they have. In addition... Oh, I was just going to say, it's hard for an older person to get work. Nobody wants to hire older people. Even though they have more experience, Because our culture celebrates youth. We live in a culture that yeah. celebrates youth. But age is really a value. And what often happens is these companies that fire their older people because they're making too much and hire all these younger people end up bringing back the older people to train the younger ones because they don't have the experience. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the experience. So... Um, We're going to get to that. That's, that is an important point. But generally, as people get older, they get wiser. So I, I actually read something that said that there's uh, a physical basis for, for wisdom. And why is it? Because as you age, the connections between the right hemisphere and the le left hemisphere actually increase. And they say that the, the notion of wisdom could be because of the different kinds of thinking that are actually coming together that way. So there's, Very interesting. So there's a physical basis for it. Right. So I think firstly, as you get older, your brain does continue to develop if you use it and you get smarter. Um, also, you have more life experience. I think the strongest source of wisdom is life experience. More life experience, you know... You, um, You've just experienced it, so you have that wisdom. But then, to Elisa's point, a third um, reason why older people are, have more wisdom is because they're generally more, generally more cautious and calmer than younger people. Serenity, we mentioned earlier. Um, and so that caution, calmness, allows them to make better decisions. They don't rush into decisions the way younger people do. Um, they think they're more, um, they're more cautious. Or Mishlei in Proverbs, Solomon writes it um, brilliantly, Tiferet bachorim kocham vahadar zekenim seva. The beauty in youth is strength, while the glory of age is serenity. So, or wisdom. So it's the wisdom, yes, young people may be stronger physically, but older people are wiser. And so that is why the Talmud tells us when the, the sages at one point, the sages in the, days, um, uh, in the days of the Mishnah, wanted to appoint 18-year-old Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah as the president of the Sanhedrin of the Supreme Council. 
Why they chose him? Well, he was obviously a brilliant, unique 18-year-old. Um, but there was, it was a long story as to why he was chosen. But they wanted to appoint him as the president of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Jewish Council. He didn't want to take the job. Why not? He said he's too young. He's too young, nobody would respect him. Only after his hair miraculously turned white and he looked older did he agree to take the job. So yes, looking older is sometimes a great advantage. It's a reason to be respected, a reason to be wise. You look older, you're wiser. Now, not all age is equal, though, as Sandy pointed out. If the value of age is in experience and wisdom... Some people have more life experience and more wisdom than others. Not everybody over their lifetime collects life experience and wisdom in the same way. The Torah tells us something very interesting about our ancestors, Abraham and Sarah. The Torah tells us that Abraham and Sarah were old. They got old. And they were ba'im ba'yamim. They literally coming in their days. What does that mean? They were old, coming in their days. So the commentaries explain that it means they used out their days to the fullest. A person could get a year older. What did you do in that year? Nothing. What do you have to show for a year of your life? Or for that matter, a month of your life or a week of your life? What do you have to show for a day of your life? What do you have to show for it? You're a day older, but are you a day wiser? Have you learned more? Have you accomplished more? Have you achieved more within the last day? So it depends on how you live your life. If a person lives their wife, life wasting it away, doing nothing of value, not gaining real wisdom or real life experience, not achieving and accomplishing, then you don't, you'll still gain with age because everyone gets some life experience, even from the mistakes they make. But you're not going to get, gain that much wisdom. But if you're able to count for every single day in your life, if you're able to look back and say, you know, when I was this age, I accomplished this, this, and that. And when I was that age, I was able to accomplish this, this, and that. Can you imagine if a person can go through every single year of your life let alone every month or even every day, and say, this is what I achieved on that day. This is why I achieved at least in that year. This was my accomplishment, right? The wisdom that such a person would have would be, you know, so much greater. Abraham and Sarah lived a very, very long life. The Torah tells us that in ancient times, people lived much, much longer. Abraham lived to the ripe old age of 175 but he was able to go back and say, count his days. He said every single day was valuable. He accomplished things. He achieved things. He was constantly growing, constantly changing, constantly learning new things. And that's a very, very powerful thing. And it doesn't have to, it, does, it could start at any time. At any point, you could say, what have I done? Sometimes people say, wow, the year passed so quickly. Right? The year can pass quickly, but what have you done in the past year? Has it been a very, very valuable year where you've achieved and accomplished a lot, where you could go back and say, look what I've done over the past year? Or has it been a year where 
I don't remember. They, all the days were the same for me. One day was no different than the next. So we gain in wisdom depending very much on how we live our lives. Yes, Bart? Well, this is time for a commercial to go to Israel with JLI. <laughs> Ten days. They're going again? Uh, two years. Go to two. Israel. In two years. Ten days. A way to use your days out. Yes, right. A way to use your days out, yes. For those that didn't make it. <laughs> but it doesn't... In two years, you'll have another one. Or those that went and are going back. Okay. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be... Um, it doesn't only have to be... It could be here as well. You don't have to go to Israel. Uh, oh, you should go to Israel regardless. You have to go to Israel. But even within our lives, how many people... And I've seen this... Um, because I've done, unfortunately, too many funerals. And um, sometimes, sometimes I, you know, so often I knew the individual, but even if I didn't, I sit with the family and we go through, um, you know, the things that the individual achieved, their, you know, their, their accomplishments, their goals, their impact. And there's so much to talk about. And you got to, you can't, you know, you, when you give it, do a funeral, you can't speak for more than 10 minutes or people start getting um, edgy, especially if there's a lot of speakers. There's so much to talk about. This, their life was so full, so accomplishing, they did so much. And then sometimes, this is very sad, but sometimes they sit with the family and say, tell me about your mom. Tell me about your dad. Well, um... Um, you know, and they can't share anything. They didn't do anything. Well, they worked at a job for many years. They um, did their daily exercise, went to the gym every day. Um, and there's nothing. Yeah, it's, and it's sad because a whole lifetime, and usually there's something. We always find some, you know, unique. Everyone has something unique. But sometimes it's hard to find and so even when we live our days, and uh, we shouldn't focus on our lives just for our funerals, um, although it would be a great measure for life, um, focusing on your funeral, but it's not a good idea to focus, uh, to live your life focusing on your funeral. So, um, but you should live your life like you want what you want your eulogy to be. Right? It would be an ideal way in theory to live a better life, but I would not encourage it because um, it's not a good perspective on life, thinking about what your eulogy should be. There's an old Jewish tale about the fellow who was very, very concerned about his eulogy, spent his whole life living, uh, thinking about what his eulogy is going to be, and uh, finally he couldn't take it anymore. He decided he needed to know what's going to be in his eulogy. So he um, decided, he, told, he had his wife tell everyone that he was sick, in hospital, and a few days later, tell everyone that he died, and they made a big funeral for him, and he went into the casket, and uh, all his friends came, and they all, and this is an old Jewish tale, and they all went into the, um, and everybody came, and um, friends got up and started talking about him, and um, in the middle, suddenly the casket opens, he gets up, and he says, you missed half of the important things. <laughs> So, yeah, we shouldn't live our life for our funerals. Right, but we should live our life to become older and wiser and more full and more valuable. And we get, we get wiser as we get older, not just by days passing, by watching the clock 
um, run down, but we, uh, we get older and wiser when we achieve things, when we accomplish things, and we make an impact, when we, um, when we do new things, when we make changes, when we, when we, we, when, uh, when, when we have influence, um, when, we have, when we learn, when we study, that's how we achieve and we accomplish, that's how we gain wisdom. So if we want to get older and wiser, the advantage of getting older, we want to get wiser as we get older, we need to properly use out our days. We need to, your age only, your real age only expresses as much as you've accomplished and you've achieved until this point. That's your real age. So because of the value of age, and age generally does have value, because ultimately as you get older, everybody achieves more, though as you said, not everyone's equal, the Torah requires us to respect elders. And so it's a very important part of Judaism. Um, when elders, we have to give our place to elders, not just because, not just because they may be weaker than us, as you would give to a pregnant woman or to somebody who um, can't stand, you give your place on the bus to somebody else, but also as a sign of respect, even an older person who's standing just fine, but if they're older than you, you give it to them, you give them your spot as a sign of respect. Not only that, you've got to treat someone older with greater dignity, someone who's older, serve them first, um, allow them to go in front of you. Um, when we address someone who's older, we always address them respectfully because they're older than ourselves. We always have to we should treat all people with respect. But somebody who's older should be treated with greater respect. There was once a time when, some of us may remember, when we called our uncles and aunts, we called them uncle and aunt, right? Before their name, right? There was always a title. Um, when I was a kid, it was only our, my great uncles and great aunts who had that title. Um, now already, they're all called by their first names. Uh, we've kind of lost a lot of that sense of respect for the older generation. Um, once upon a time, we called our parent, our friends' parents, right? We called them Mr., Mrs., we called them with a respectful title. Today, you call your friends' grandparents by their first name, right? We've lost that sense of respect for an older generation. But once upon a time, this was very strong, especially in our Jewish communities, where somebody who was... Uh, oh, a gen not just a year older than you, a generation older than you was called in a more respectful title. You kind of, you spoke to them differently. They were a generation older. So, um, so we have to have a certain sense of um, respect, respect for people who are older. And um, the Torah requires that. In Talmudic times, they would stand up when an older person walks into the room, um, just as one would stand up for a teacher. Um, for whatever reason, those, the stand-up custom has <coughs> fallen by the wayside in general. Um, the reasons are beyond the scope of this class. But it's a great mitzvah to respect, to give respect to anyone who is older. Yes? Shopping with us till I just fell over. So when 
my aunt walked away, I respectfully said to this young woman, uh, her name is Mrs. Harris. And I remember, I didn't want to embarrass my aunt, I didn't want to embarrass this little girl, but what they're being taught. Today, the decline in America, I don't know about all over, is huge. There's been a breakdown in familiarity, equating a psychologist or a doctor, calling them by their first name, a teacher by their first name. Okay, so a lot of it's the breakdown in respect, especially respect for age that we once had was once strong in a lot of societies. And unfortunately, I think it's, like I said earlier, very um, has a lot to do with our focus on... Um, it has a lot to do on, um, on our focus of wasted years where we, um, we focus on the physical body. Um, the physical body gets, I mean, the reality is the physical body gets weaker with age. So you don't respect older people um, when we respect the body. If it's all about sports, the greatest sportsmen are always in their 20s or early 30s, right? So that's why you're respecting people in their 20s. The greatest, um, if it's about looks and about acting, the greatest stars are always in their 20s and 30s, right? If that's if that's the ideals in life, if that's what children are striving for, why would you respect an older person? But if we respect wisdom, which is the most valuable thing that we truly have, then you would respect older people. So in addition to wisdom, in Judaism we have a unique role for elders. Because elders hold the key to our tradition. They tell this is another Jewish tale of an um, older Jew whose granddaughter used to give him lots, used to come all the time and would treat him with lots of respect and was always there helping him. And his neighbor turns to him and says, I don't understand. Your granddaughter is so respectful to you. How come my granddaughter doesn't give me the same respect? How come she barely comes around and when she does, makes herself at home and uh, pushes me aside? And so he said, very simple, my, um, my grandchildren were taught as Jews that um, we come from a long line of tradition going back to Moses, going back to Mount Sinai. I am one link closer to her. Um, I am one link closer to Mount Sinai for her. So I am closer to God. Your granddaughter was taught how um, she's descendants of apes and primates, and so you are one link closer to primates. And so, and... And I think it's very important. I think our modern sense of how the human race developed and um, evolution, um, without getting into... It's a topic for another class. Without getting into the evolution itself and Jewish view of creation... But it very much believes that humanity came from very, very primitive life and we're getting better and better and better and better. And if you have that belief that life was once extremely primitive and we're getting better and better, that doesn't just mean to young people today, that doesn't just mean that our ancestors thousands of years ago were very primitive. They see their grandparents 
who don't know how to use an iPhone as being very primitive, right? And they see life, and that's the way we're taught. We teach our children in school that life gets better and better and better. And the younger, the younger generations are improving life, and we're, we're way ahead of the way they were. They have no idea how to live. They're primitive, right? So they look at the older people as primitive. In Judaism, it's the other way around, right? We look at spiritual value. And we see the spiritual value of earlier generations. We see the unique spiritual connectedness. In fact, the Talmud says that with every generation, we, have le- we become less and less spiritual, spiritually tuned. We're less and less spiritually inclined in each generation as we move further away from Sinai. And so in that way, the previous generations... Hold, great, gra- hold greater spirituality. We respect the previous generations. We further believe that in earlier generations they had greater wisdom than we did. The scholars of our, our Talmudic scholars or our earlier scholars in Judaism, we have great, the greatest respect. We find them as being a lot more, a lot wiser than we are today. And we are trying to understand and find their wisdom of the earlier generations. So we don't see earlier generations as being more primitive. We see earlier generations as being much wiser, as being um, closer to God, much more spiritual. And so therefore we believe the earlier generations are not, ju- not just older, but they're a generation closer to something, a genera- to greater wisdom, to greater spirituality. Even more so in Judaism, Judaism is a tradition. Why are we Jewish today? Because our parents were Jewish, and their parents were Jewish, and their parents were Jewish. Going back generations and generations and generations. Judaism is a tradition, or the Hebrew term for that is Mesorah. Tradition passed on from generation to generation to generation. And every year we sit at the Seder, and at the Seder, we always have whole families get together. This is the way we've always done it. Children and, gra- and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We get the whole family, extended families together. Because it's a time of tradition where we pass on the tradition from generation to generation. We know about Moses. We know about Sinai. We know about the Torah. We know about every part of Judaism because our parents told us. Our grandparents told us. Their parents told them. Their parents told them. For generations and generations and generations. We make a Seder because our parents made a Seder. Because their parents made the Seder. Because their parents made the Seder. Going back from gener- for generations and generations and generations. When you think about it, the Seder was made by our grandparents and our family every single year. For th- over 3,000 years. Every single year our ancestors have made a Seder. We are continuing that tradition. Our parents, our grandparents, hold the link to that tradition. They are the link in that chain and in that tradition. So that's why we need to respect our, the earlier generation because they're able to tell us. They're able to tell us the story. They're able to tell us our history. They're able to tell us our traditions, what we believe. That's why the Torah says, "Sha'al avicha ve'yagedcha zikeinecha ve'yomrulach." Ask your father. He will tell you 
Ask your elders, they will tell you. Ask your grandparents, they share your stories, share your experience, share what you have lived through, share what you remember from your grandparents. Today now genealogy has become a big thing again. Um, but Jews have always focused on genealogy. We always knew, um, many Jews had a um, Tanakh or a Bible that had generations, their ancestors written down generation after generation. Um, many still have those today. Um, many of us kept, um, at least early within the family, who our grandparents were going back generations and generations. My grandfather used to always go back. He used to always repeat telling back who his great-grandparents were and their grandparents and their grandparents going back again generations and generations. And uh, that's where they lived, who they were, details. And uh, we Jews have always tried to retain and keep that tradition going back for generations. There's a fascinating story in the Midrash um, that tells us that when Moses wanted to leave Egypt, when they were ready to leave Egypt after the um, after Pharaoh, after 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally said, okay, you could leave, get out already, was trying to push him out. Moses wanted to leave Egypt. He had one thing holding him back. Before Joseph had died, Joseph was Jacob's son who had been the king of Egypt, who had brought them all down to Egypt. Before Joseph had died, he had made his family promise him they would not leave Egypt without taking his casket with them to bury him in Israel. And so Moses needed to find Joseph's casket to take it out. He couldn't leave Egypt without it. Where do you find Joseph's casket? Where? Where? The problem is nobody knew where Joseph's casket was. Joseph's, so Joseph's casket had been hidden because Joseph did not want to be worshipped. As the Egyptians have worshipped the dead, he did not want to be worshipped. His casket had been hidden. So nobody knew. And so Moses found a very, this is what the Midrash says, um, found a very, very old um, woman whose name was Serach Bat Asher. Serach Bat Asher was Serach, the daughter of Asher, a granddaughter of Jacob. So she had been one of the 70 grandchildren of Jacob that had come to Egypt hundreds of years earlier. She was still alive. That's what the Medrash says. And so Moses went to her and he asked her to where, if she knows where Joseph's um, casket is, and she did. She knew where his casket was. She said it had been, he had had it sunken, put in a, um, in a lead, he had been put into a lead casket and sunken to the bottom of the Nile River so that nobody would find it. And so how does Moses get it out of the Nile River? She showed him where it was sunken and he, how does he get it out of the Nile River? He put in a, um, he put, he, he put in a golden tablet. He wrote the words, Alei Shark, come up ox threw it into the Nile River, and Joseph's casket floated to the top, and he took it, and they indeed took it out, and they buried it in, um, they buried it, they brought it to Israel, and he's buried in Shechem, um, in central Israel. So, um, but interestingly, before Moses left Egypt, he had to go meet Serach. Why did he have to go? Well, he had to go to Serach to find Joseph's, um, to find Joseph's casket. But he also needed to go to Sarah for a different reason. This was all designed so that before Moses leaves Egypt, he should hear the story. He should hear the story of how they got there. He should speak to somebody who met his ancestor Jacob. He should speak to somebody who knew the history, who knew what was going on. 
And there's a very interesting midrash that tells us that this Serach somehow continued to live for hundreds of years further. And later she met um, King David. And um, later she um, speaks to um, uh, she speaks to um, King David's cousin and general, whose name is Yoav. And she tells Yo- Yoav was didn't did something wrong. And she tells him, young man. Um, you think you know it all? Let me teach you a little bit. And so, um, but you know, it's a it's a midrash and um, stories in the midrash. We don't know whether which ones are meant to be taken literal, which ones are you know actually happened that way or are meant to be, teach us a lesson. But the lesson from the midrash is very clear, which is the older generation. We need to turn to the older generation, ask them to tell them to tell us their stories, ask them to tell us our history, because we Jews are a people of history. We're people that retained our history. We have history in a way that no other nation, no other people have. We Jews can recount what's essentially happened every year for the last 3,000 years. Earlier we spoke about someone recounting what you've done in your lifetime. We as a people know what we've done every year for 3,000 years straight. We know the Jewish leaders. If you name a year in the 3,000 years, I could tell you who the Jewish leaders were at that time. Right? So we know, and there's no other people that know that. No other people could do that. We know we have, we have recorded Jewish history and we retain our history because that's what we are. We're a people of tradition. So the older generation are the ones who retain our tradition. Let me go further, running out of time. So now there is, so, so age is very important. Age brings wisdom for everyone. Um, some people more than others. But age brings wisdom. And um, in Judaism specifically, where we focus so much on tradition, age is very, very important. Um, but we cannot pretend that there's no downside to age, right? Clearly, there's some downside to aging. Um, it comes with some weakness. Um, sometimes it comes with sickness. Sometimes it can even come with... <laughs> Sometimes. Wrinkles is part of the pride of it. <laughs> yes. Wrinkles. This is an interesting discussion in the Talmud um, as to a um, husband who doesn't want to supply his older wife with, um, with um, cosmetics. And uh, the Talmud says that it doesn't matter how old she gets, she still deserves cosmetics. She still needs to, she wants to dress up. Um, definitely all women deserve to dress up, no matter the age, no matter the wrinkles. So, um, but we do, there are, other, there are downsides to physical downsides to age. Um, slow down a little. And so that's why we do have prayers where we ask God not to, we have a prayer, do not throw us into old age. And um, we do have, the Talmud encourage us, firstly, to take care of our health. And there's a number of details of the Talmud, specific things we should do to ensure we don't suffer in our old age, and of course that we get there. Um, and, um, the, and so we do, we do recognize that there are downsides to age, and we've got to be careful about that, be careful about our health um, because of the downsides to age. Um, but even with sickness, and even with the downsides and problems that older people may get, um, they still can offer a lot of wisdom and support. And um, even in old age, a person, if you live your life right, we can live your, our old age in great happiness. Even if there are maybe medical things or even pain, 
that we may suffer with as we get older. Um, the upside to old age, if, if done right, can greatly outweigh the downsides <coughs> of age. And um, the wisdom that we get, the continued growth um, in wisdom, in study, can really... Um, we can, we can grow in wisdom and uh, in that way in old age that we can't do when we're younger. We also can live off the nachas or achievements of the next generation. And that's really the greatest achievements in our old age. If we have, whether our own children, grandchildren who we've raised properly and grandchildren who we've raised properly. And that's why raising children is your number one most important investment in life. People don't know it. Yes? One of the problems I see is that uh, whether it's Jew or Gentile, the Jews, uh, not all family members are storytellers. And so I, I see amongst uh, either my own family and friends how a whole generation has grown and, and were not told the stories of their past. So it really is incumbent upon the parents to make sure they become storytellers. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Parents have to be storytellers. We've got to tell the story to our children. Um, Torah says that about the Exodus. We need to tell the story to our children. You cannot be quiet about it. Um, Every person at a certain point should write down their life memories um, to give to their children. Um, It's an excellent thing to do. Everybody should do it. Um, you should give your children your mem- write it down um, so that they haven't recorded um, or record it on tape um, but record your life memories give it to your children, you parents have to do it you're absolutely right, children have to ask also, it goes both ways, often parents don't share, not because they don't want to but because they think their kids don't care right. which is often true um, so, yes Sometimes, sometimes a lot of negatives, especially if our parents went through the Holocaust or something like that. Most people, their lives are have a lot more positive than negative. And um, I mean, it depends on how you live your life. If you're a pessimistic person, you only see the negatives. Then, um, yeah, then that's your, what your children will get. But that's not what you want to give to your children. Let me just finish this off because we're we're running a little running a little late. So we can. So firstly, we can live off the nachas that we get from our children, our grandchildren. It's the greatest thing. There's nothing better than that. As well as of our students or our protégés, people who we've influenced. It doesn't have to be children. People we've influenced in our lives. You've influenced people in your life. You've created connections. There's people who you've changed their lives and made a difference for. Those people will keep up with you. um, And you'll continue living of their success. In other words, you'll see the beauty of what they're doing. And it's all thanks to you. And you can continue helping them and continue um, guiding them. And um, so even as we age, we can give so much and gain so much. But a big part of aging, as we said, is what we do on the way there and when we get there. The Talmud says, or the Mishnah says, that older scholars, the older they get, the more their mind develops. Older, amei ha'aretz, people of the land, um, peasants perhaps, the older they get, the more foolish they get. So we use our, we, when we use our brain, 
and develop it, the brain continues to grow. If we ignore our brain, we lose it over time. It starts disintegrating over time. So those people who spend their lives focused on athletics, running marathons, everyone I know who ran marathons for a number of years ended up hurting themselves. Not that you shouldn't run marathons, but you've got to be careful. But people that run their lives on marathons or on sports or on, um, on touring or whatever other not, um, not valuable things uh, they may be losing their li- uh, running their life on, you're going to reach a point you can't run marathons anymore. What do you do then? I've had more than one person come to me and say, I don't know what to do anymore with my life. I just tore my leg. There's nothing. I can't run anymore. What do I do now? So what, and you're going to reach that point sooner or later where you can't run anymore. What are you going to do? You're going to soon reach the point where you can't tour anymore. What do you do then? You soon won't be able to play golf anymore. What are you going to do then? Go to lawn balls. So, <laughs> so you soon won't be able to do those things anymore. But if you're focused, and there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with sports, and it's good to exercise for your health. Don't overdo it. It's good to do these things. There's nothing wrong with them. It's good to travel, especially to Israel. It's excellent. Um, those things are, that, that's great, but not if that's your life. Not if you're ticking off the 50 places to see before you die. So, but if, if your life is about knowledge... If your life is about studying, as you get older, you're going to get better and better and better and better. If your life is about influencing others, teaching others, influencing others, teaching the skills that you know to others, um, making an impact on others, the older you get, the better you're going to get at it. You're only going to get better and better and better. So how we get to our old age what we do getting there, and then once we're there, how we spend our senior years is going to make all the difference in its value. If we spend it on things that are truly valuable, those things only go up with time. They're like wine. They only get better as they age. Wisdom, um, inspiration, influence, those things only improve with age. If our lives about our physical body, then those don't get so good with age. So the, to, our takeaway should be we have to continue studying, teaching, influencing others, telling our stories, helping the next generation. Then we continue to grow till the very end. And then we, that way we age gracefully. So thank you again.